Hello, friend. I'm so glad you're here. My name is Zach Holt, and this is Come to the Table. Some of our most intimate conversations happen at the kitchen table. Walls crumble as space is created to know one another more deeply. Hurt and heartache are replaced by hope and healing when we pull up a chair, let down our guard, and simply be who we are, where we are. In our time together, we will step into the shoes of others through recovery stories of redemption, offer resources and connections for those in need, and come together as a community starving for revival in our region. So if you're hungry, you came to the right place. Well, guys, we're so excited to have you joining us uh, this afternoon or whenever it is that you're listening to this content. Uh, I've got a great show for you today. A dear friend of mine, Caroline Hawthorne, uh, was the pastor uh, at uh, Hunt Methodist Church and kind of oversees the, the mission work that that, that that church does. Just some beautiful uh, programs and opportunities to really contribute to the healing and wholeness um, of some really you know overlooked people in the city of Bristol. And so real excited to, to have her here with us and, and just hope and prayer that, that this is just such a, a blessing to you uh, here this afternoon. Um, so, hey, Caroline. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't you uh, tell me a little bit about uh, a little bit about yourself, and and then just kind of lay the groundwork for sort of what what Hunt does, and and we'll just go from there. Okay. Um, again, my name is Caroline Hawthorne, and I'm the pastor at Hunt of United Methodist Church in Bristol, Virginia. I have been the pastor there for almost eleven years, and during that time, we have always worked with. Um, less fortunate, impoverished families and people who are just in unfortunate situations. And a couple of years ago, um, we ministered to the children of the Rice Terrace community. And a couple of years ago, one of the families that we worked really closely with became homeless. They had been evicted several times and were just at wit's end. They had nowhere to go. And so we began working with that family. And so that's what eventually opened the door for us to start working with the homeless individuals within the Bristol community. And it has just turned into a beautiful ministry. So what did, in those, in those early days, that first family that you, um, and I, I love this origin, this is the first time I've heard kind of the origin story <laughs> of sort of how all this, so I'm, I'm super excited. Um, how did, like, when you first engaged this family that you kind of identified and struggling and now newly homeless, um, how, did you, how did you help them the first, the first time? Well, the first time that they, they, it really was brought to my attention, the youngest daughter of the family, there were four children and mom and dad, and they had several dogs, um, and they were living in a car. But the little girl came to me, and, and she said, Hey, Pastor Caroline, do you have any blankets? And we normally, at that time, we didn't keep blankets. And, but we had been given a couple of blankets to give out as gifts for children if we needed it. And so I, I just said, Yeah, I, I actually do. And gave her the blanket, and then she said, can my sister have one too? <laughs> and so I was like, yeah. And, and so I just kind of pushed the issue a little bit. And that's when I found out that they had been evicted. And um, so we, as a church family, I got on the phone that night and I said, it was during Christmas break. And I said, is there any way that we could possibly open the church up tomorrow during the day? Let them get out of their car. <laughs> I can't imagine being cramped up in a car. Yes with four kids and two dogs and mom and dad. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, several of the church folks there 
went and we cooked a, a lunch for them and we had a TV so they were able to watch TV and just relax, get out of their car. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that, that was the beginning of something beautiful. Mm-hmm. We decided from that point, you know, this, this is something that we could do on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And so we, at that time, began just opening our doors when the current temperature, like the daily temperature, didn't get above freezing mm-hmm. and just as a warming shelter. Mm-hmm. But that was that was a little bit hard because you never knew <laughs> when the temperature was going to be, you know, for that condition. So. so kind of hard to plan for all that. Yes, yes, it was very hard to plan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's really beautiful. And uh, gosh, so many things that... Um, good focus on here. But one of the things that, um, you know, in our, our communities, we work closely together yes. and, um, you know, just really, really amazing stuff going on in Bristol. And I think just this, this movement of uh, hospitality, um, the, the word we translate hospitality comes from a, a Greek word, xenophilia, uh, that means the, the love of strangers. Um, and, and I think uh, our, our disposition towards our possessions is an indication of our receptivity towards strangers and friends and those uh, that, that look and, and smell and act a little bit different than right. us. And, and so it's really, really cool to see this kind of movement of hospitality, which I think is a movement of love, um, kind of among the different agencies in Bristol. And that's a really, really cool thing. So when um, when the, the young lady, the little girl, first reached out and she asked you for, for a blanket, first of all, how can you say no to that? Right. You know, <laughs> um, but, but as kind of Hunt has like organically grown and developed and evolved, um, it's, it's how do you, I'm trying to think of how to word this. Um, it is a, I believe it's a great thing and it's a, a, a calling and a mandate that we need to provide for the immediate and acute and urgent needs of people. Um, but how do we how do we balance that with also thinking, you know, yeah, you you need a meal now, kind of like that saying, you know, you give a man a fish, you feed him for right. a day, you teach a man to fish, and and he'll never be hungry again. How have you guys been able to kind of navigate, you know, providing for immediate needs while also helping people prepare and plan for like long term? Does all that make sense? Yes, and and I completely understand what you're saying, you know, and that's one of the areas that I have really tried to work the hardest in because you know to me it's like putting a band-aid on a wound Mm -hmm. you know sure um but long term how do you help Mm -hmm. those that are in need Mm -hmm. and um you know we we do offer um like food pantry type items Mm -hmm. that they can Mm -hmm. take with them but you know our big thing is you know trying to define the line between helping and enabling. That's a great, yeah. yeah. How would you, let's pause, like, how would you distinguish that? Yeah, think, it is It is so hard because, um, you know, where where do you draw that line? Mm-hmm. And um, we, we do offer meals, you know, during the day. And um, I, I really feel like our homeless community has come to depend on that, mm-hmm. which is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, is that keeping them from doing more mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. they could. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's that's an area that I really struggle mm-hmm. with, if that's what you're asking. It is, it is, <laughs> and, it's, and it's, it's really, really hard. And, um, you know, I think one of one of the areas just that I've seen that you guys do, you know, a great job is with, you know, with uh, birth certificate, you know, kind of helping yes, people, birth certificates, yes. IDs. So why don't you, you know, walk somebody through uh, kind of what, is, what does all that look like? Okay. And um, so normally – Somebody that is just homeless, um, 
lots of times we get incarcerated, mm-hmm. people that have just been incarcerated, and um, they come to us and they, they have absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they don't have any forms of identification. And um, so we, we normally start out with a birth certificate mm-hmm. and we try to get the birth certificate. Mm-hmm. Some of those um, resources, some of those agencies do require that they have some sort of identification. So you can also use um, letters, or utility bills or you know some some sort of mail to identify them so that's normally where we start we mm-hmm. do allow them to use our address mm-hmm. as a mail receptacle so that they can receive mail there and then we get their birth certificates then we move on to trying to get an ID mm-hmm. and then after we get the ID you know, the social security card is pretty easy to get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, if they're trying to get social security benefits, that's a completely <laughs> different story. Um, but the social security card is, you know, usually one of the easier items to get mm-hmm. if you have your ID. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we have we have really helped a lot of people do that. Yeah. Um, and we've we've been able to, um, you know, we do pay pay for those items. Mm-hmm. And um, we pay for those out of the church budget. We have a little, you know, line item mm-hmm. for IDs mm-hmm. and certificates and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. but once they get all those things, you know, they kind of get reacclimated, mm-hmm. and um, you know, they they have their identity mm-hmm. back, mm-hmm. and so that then they can move on, you know, to apply for housing or whatever they need to do after that. I think it's really really great. There was a um, a young man that we. Uh, we, we both know it. And so he, he recently moved to relocate to Johnson City, kind of try a new thing in a new space. And um, and he was so excited because he got he, he said it was the first picture ID that he'd had in however many years, um, you know, and a lot of times we th- we think we know what someone needs most, you know, right. and it's like we do this like visual dog- diagnosis, like, you know, yeah, they obviously the thing they need most is they need, you know, new clothes and they need, you know, this and they need this and then it's like uh, a lot of times I think what people really need is so much deeper than that. Yes. And and so I think for him, it was connected to kind of I think where you were going that for him, like he didn't feel like like a person for right. so long because when you uh you know when when you live your life where people make you feel as if your existence is an imposition you know and and that you just being alive is a nuisance um you know then you begin to feel and believe you know those awful lies that you don't have worth that you don't have value you know that nobody would really miss you if you just disappeared right and so it's almost this like journey of affirming and reclaiming their personhood and their identity as a child of god and I think that that is just such a, a huge part of it that, um, you know, the I think the, the meals and the blankets can can help us to kind of get our foot in the door. Um, but but there has to be kind of a, a, a bigger aim, you know, and that's helping people to find, you know, flourishing and, and wholeness and, and healing and all of that. And so when you are working with folks, um, what what are some of the greatest needs that you perceive in in their lives and their stories and um, I, I think it's what you were just saying mm-hmm. you know that they come to me broken mm-hmm. and they don't feel worth mm-hmm. I mean they, they they just feel like they're nobody mm-hmm. and 
I do, we do try to reaffirm that through mm-hmm. the mission. We, you know, several of us will pray with them. Mm-hmm. We, we hug them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some, sometimes that's all they need Absolutely. is a hug. Mm-hmm. Just someone to actually love them mm-hmm. and, and tell them, you know, you are somebody. That's right. You are a child of God. You are important mm-hmm. to him. You are important to us. We love mm-hmm. you. Um, but I, you know, I think, I think they, they just need to feel loved. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and like I said, I mean, there's material things that they need as well. But I, I think more than anything, it's just that feel of no longer being an outcast. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've, we've had people come and, and they'll say, you know, this is one of the only places where we don't feel homeless. Mm-hmm where we don't feel like somebody's judging us or looking at us or, mm-hmm. or telling us we're a sinner because we're homeless or, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, mm-hmm. just, I mean, that people, people are, are crude mm-hmm. and, um, and they, 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 they are the ones that, uh, you know, they, they reap mm-hmm. what others throw at them. So, Guys, I want to take just a, a quick minute and uh, thank you so much for listening to Come to the Table on WEHC 90.7 and Wise FM 90.5. Uh, here having a great conversation with Caroline Hawthorne, pastor at Hunt Methodist and is over the mission there down in Bristol. Uh, and so chatting a little bit about sort of what, what people need most that are, are struggling with the season of being unsheltered and unhoused and uh, just some really, really great stuff. So thank you so much for listening today. So, Caroline, when you um, when you look back at the at the years that you guys have been doing the kind of work that you've been doing, what what would you say have been some of the greatest lessons that you've learned? You talked a little bit about helping and enabling. That's that's an important right. one to oh, kind yeah. of get. What's uh, what's what are some of the others maybe that stick out to you? The the biggest lesson that I have learned personally is that you know any of us can become like this. You know, mm-hmm. you know, we live in a society where we are one paycheck away from becoming homeless mm-hmm. ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's, that's terrifying when you think about it. But, you know, for me, learning that these are ordinary people and they've, they've just been dealt a bad hand of cards <laughs> if you want to call it that sure. um you know they've had temptations and they've given in to those temptations and and that's led a lot to a life of you know things that um have just led them down a path of destruction or or what may be but um they are just like you and i <laughs> that's right. absolutely just ordinary people yeah yeah bad hand of cards yeah, yeah, yeah. and and you know i think that i think that you know, when I first started actually like going out um, and meeting people, I was scared to death, mm-hmm. you know, because everybody was like, oh, you know, the, mm-hmm. the homeless population in Bristol is horrible. You know, don't you dare go out there by yourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll have to, you know, make sure you take protection. Mm-hmm. And but when I when I would get out there and I would talk to people, um, you know, I, I, I wasn't ever really scared. Mm-hmm. Um so I think just learning that, um, that, like I said, that they're just regular people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's an important starting point, um, you know, that 
uh, Imago Dei, you know, in the image of God, like we all carry each one of us, however yes. you want to frame that, you know, we all uh, carry upon us the, the fingerprint of our creator. And, and so I think if we, if we start with that, you know, then it's like we see that we're not that different, you know, that it is just a paycheck or two that separates, you know, out from that. And I think one of the things that has just been so amazing to me, um, you know, through, uh, through working uh, with the population in Bristol is just seeing uh, the courage from oh, that, wow, you know, yes. the courage and the camaraderie from this community, yeah. um, you know, kind of going through uh, a couple of little things in, in life right now that have been a, a struggle for our family. And, and it's like I was at the uh, at the Salvation Army uh, last night. We have uh, an event there we do every Tuesday night uh, after supper and listening to the stories of things people are wrestling with and going through and just, you know, separation and loss and trauma and everything. That, and, and it's just I always, no matter how rough of a day I'm having, I walk away from that experience on Tuesday night so humbled and, yes. and so grateful and just in awe of um, you know, how you see, how you see God moving in, in their lives, like to just like, how do you even get up and put one foot in front of the other and just, and then, and then the love that that community has for each other, um, you know, in, in that deep time of, you know, that hard time of need, um, to see how they come together is just, is just really, really, really cool. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you recently, um, how, how long has it been since you guys have added? So, so Friday mornings and Monday mornings, what does that look like? Um, we, we usually open our doors around nine. Of course, there's people there by 730. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, we have, you know, but, you know, we serve a hot breakfast. It's usually oatmeal, but they love it. Um, and then um, we have, you know, a, a devotion and we eat lunch and, um, we we have some of the best volunteers. I mean, the people that have come to me saying, "I want to help. I want to volunteer." They they are there every Monday and Friday. Um, we have volunteers that cook. We have volunteers that help in our food um, pantry. We have volunteers that help in the clothing closet. Mm -hmm. Volunteers that help do laundry. Volunteers that clean bathrooms. You know, yeah. I mean, it's just it's absolutely amazing to see my team of volunteers work, but um, one of these volunteers has become somebody to one of our clients, mm -hmm. if you want to mm -hmm. call them that, mm -hmm. um, to where they've kind of adopted or taken somebody under their mm -hmm. wing and are walking this journey with mm -hmm. them. And so it's almost become like a mentorship, yeah. which is really cool to mm -hmm. see. It's kind of like what you've got mm -hmm. going with mm -hmm. your program. Mm -hmm. and. Um, it's, it's just really neat because there's so many different avenues that people can go down. Mm -hmm. And, you know, whereas they may not feel comfortable talking to me, mm -hmm. but they might feel more comfortable talking to yeah. the lady that washes their clothes sure. or, or the one that's, you know, helping them pick out clothes mm -hmm. or something. And um, it, it's just, it's really neat. And, but... For me, <laughs> it's it's become really hard because sometimes I can't even get out of my office because mm -hmm. there are so many needs mm -hmm. um, for identifications mm -hmm. and you know people wanting you know to apply for food stamps or Medicaid and 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 they don't have anywhere else to go. Yeah. They you know I mean there's no caseworkers mm -hmm. out there that that help them and mm -hmm. um, so I I usually try to pick up the the slack on that. Yeah, well, that's, a, 
It's a lot. Yeah. It is. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you think, and, and maybe you can answer this like from your perspective and then maybe what you maybe have heard from your volunteers, because I think, um, you know, when we're in a position like that where we're, uh, where we're serving um, someone else, it, it doesn't just, it's not just like one flowing into the other, but I think it's the other flowing into us. Oh, yes. And, and so what are... What are some of the things that the people you pour into have taught you? What are some of the oh. things that you think that um, they have taught the volunteers that maybe come here thinking that they're going to be doing the guiding and the shaping and then they have been led and shaped in return? You know, that, that is so true because the volunteers, all of them have come thinking, you know, I, I want to be able to bless somebody else. Mm -hmm. But we are the ones that receive the blessing. Mm -hmm. um, even if it's just someone hugging you and 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 hearing them tell us i love you thank you so much i couldn't have done this without you and um you know they they just give us so much affirmation and it just really helps us realize that we are doing god's work mm -hmm. that we are being the vessels mm -hmm. for god mm -hmm. we're his hands and feet and um also seeing the transformation in people because they may come just so down and broken um but when they leave they have a smile on their face and just being able to see that transformation and know knowing that you necessarily didn't have a part in that you did but it was through god yeah that 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 was um overcome and yeah just just being able to to realize that you are a bigger part of god's work yeah that's beautiful that's beautiful i think one um one area um i know that that i've uh definitely grown in um is is um you know we we work with a lot of people um, who maybe have belief systems that are different, yes. have are operating out of maybe a different, you know, ethical or moral framework, or kind of you know, kind of in a, a different space. And and I think um, that this environment, this ecosystem in which we're doing ministry, is the great equalizer because um, you're you're able to like when when your back's against the wall and you're walking with someone who is who is deep in homelessness and just uh, is is terribly broken and disenfranchised and defeated and deflated. Um, it's like a lot of that other stuff kind of goes out the window, you know. And and you're able to one of the things that we talk about a lot uh, at the table is that we want you to feel like you belong even if you don't believe. Right. Um, and so that our our love for you, our assistance um, in your in your life, any way that we can support you and prop you up is, is not in any way, shape, or form contingent that you believe how we believe. Right. Um, and so uh, that being said, there, there are a number of folks who are around your community and our community who maybe have a, a different belief system and, and like, we're okay with that. You yes, know, like absolutely. we still, you know, want to be, want to be there for them in, in the midst of it. And, um, you know, something that's, that's really interesting uh, to me is that, you know, when you said uh, that, that some folks that are, are, 
coming to hunt feel that that's the only place maybe they don't feel like an outcast. Um, and, and there are individuals that we, that we work with and deal with that, um, that have felt, you know, run off from religious institutions yes. and they have given up their, their words, not mine, but they say that, that we've given up on God because the mm-hmm. people of God have given up on us. Yeah. And, and I just think that there is uh, a tragic departure, I think, from, from the intent of the way things ought to look, um, you know, when there are people who are in deep need, who feel um, that they can't come anymore, you know, to certain spaces to find acceptance and inclusion and healing. And that's one of the things that I love uh, about your ministry and, and about ours and overlap that I see um, is, is we don't, you know, we don't care what you smell like. We don't care where right. you've been. We don't care what you believe, what political party, what anything like we just we just want to we just want to love you because I think that is that's the mandate, you know, is just to love and to love and to love. Yes. Um, and so sometimes in the midst of that, uh, all of that outpouring of love, um, it kind of sets you up to get hurt. Right? Oh, yeah. So how have you how have you been able to navigate being hurt? Um, whenever maybe you've poured a lot into someone or you've really been hopeful and then those hopes were kind of dashed. How do you bounce back from that? How do you navigate that? I pray a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, because I have I've, I have had those disappointments and um, it is heartbreaking. And, you know, had one even recently and and somebody drew to my attention you know, they, they said, well, we serve a God of second chances. You know, mm-hmm. are you going to give this person a second chance? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, absolutely. I mean, it, it had never crossed my mind to not give them a second chance. Um, but that still doesn't help the hurt mm-hmm. and the disappointment. But then I have to realize that I, too, am flawed mm-hmm. and, um, you know, what if God gave up on me? Yeah. And and then I realized too that I've done stuff to hurt God. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and so I realized that we as Christians, um, you know, we, we we're humbled through that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when we realize that we have hurt God the way that people hurt us, mm-hmm. and um, just to be able to move on from that. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot. Um, you know, I I have to lay it down every day. <laughs> and um, and I'm getting good at that. But <laughs> but I I continue to just reach out and pour in and love and because I think that's what Jesus would do. Well, it's it's kind of the sort of the the, the cost of doing business is yes. is that sometimes you're uh, you're going to get hurt and you're going to get burned. Um, you know, in, in various ways, shapes, or forms. And, and I don't think that means you don't try. Right. Um, and I don't think it means that you love less or somehow you, you protect yourself. I think uh, we're, we're called to a, a reckless, unabandoned love, you know, that just gives all that we have um, because of that's, that's the love we look to in God. And yes. that's what we see. Something that I wanted to touch on, we just have a couple minutes left here. Um, you know, there is a, an incredible correlation between 
mental health uh, yes. issues and um, homelessness and substance use disorder. Right. So what are what are some of the ways you've seen that play out and maybe talk through for just a minute and a half or something like that? What what's some of that uh, kind of needs that you see out there that maybe aren't getting met or just share a little bit about your thoughts there? Um, there I do see a lot of substance use and um, there there seems to be like a misconception now that marijuana is technically legal in Virginia. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of people don't realize or don't think that that's still an illegal substance, but, you know, according to government, Mm -hmm. it it is. Mm -hmm. And that that has been a struggle, too. That's Mm -hmm. really hard Um, because there are several that, you know, that do use marijuana, Mm -hmm. but the mental health goes right along with it. You know, one person said to me the other day, they they held up a a picture of a a drug, like a Wellbutrin Mm -hmm. or something, and they said to you, this is medicine. Mm -hmm. Um, But to me, it's a drug. Mm -hmm. And then they held up a picture of of a marijuana leaf, and they said, to me, this is medicine. Mm -hmm. But to you, it's a drug. And, you know, and, and seeing that visually, I was just like, Oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, there is a lot, you know, that possibly I have been judging people Mm -hmm. on or thinking, Mm -hmm. you know, differently. And um, so that was very eye opening. Mm -hmm. But there is, you know, the the mental health with that goes right along with it. Mm -hmm. And I think the substance abuse, of course, um, makes the mental illness worse definitely exacerbates it yeah Yeah. and the two together Mm -hmm. are just a ticking time bomb it is it is and grateful that there are um you know resources in in the area absolutely places where people can go and kind of get away from that life and that and uh well caroline thank you so much we're out of time but thank you so much for being here with us today and uh, we'll definitely have to have to come come back and uh i only got through maybe a third of the questions that i had for you so (laughs) sorry uh, we'll we'll make do on that uh well friends i want to thank you so much for joining us on this episode of come to the table I sincerely hope that it has been an encouragement to your recovery or created in you some kind of curiosity about what it means to live into a radical new mindset of selfless service to others. If you'd like to know more uh, about our ministry or connect with us in any way, you can do that at thetablebristol117 at gmail.com. Friends, you don't have to walk this road alone. Hope and redemption, beauty from ashes, light from dark, these things are all so much closer than you know. Grace and peace to you, my friend.